0: Good morning and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Julie R. and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, October 11th, and it's a 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. Today we are reading from the big book and we're on page 157. We'll be starting with the fourth paragraph. For an hour, the two friends will be reading through three paragraphs, ending with damn little to laugh about. Comments will be on all. Today's readers are Lisa B., Janice M., and Maura Z. The Share ID for Tuesday, October 10th, 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting is 10,531. For the 10 a.m. Eastern Standard Time Meeting, it's 10,532. OA Preamble, Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering I will now ask Alexis H. to read the 12 steps.
1: Hi, is the connection clear? Yes, it is. This is Alexis H. from Michigan, a compulsive overeater, and these are the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous. One, we admitted we are powerless over food that our lives have become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. 9. Made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory and when we were wrong promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood Him, praying only for knowledge of His will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you for letting me do service and have a good day.
0: Thank you, Alexis H. I will now ask KB to read the 12 traditions. Star one to unmute K. This is KB reading the 12
2: tradition. Our common welfare should come first. Except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. 5. Each group has but one primary purpose to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. 6. An OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise. Less problems of money, property, And prestige divert us from our primary purpose. 7. Every OA group ought to be fully self supporting, declining outside contributions. 8. Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. 9. OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards. Or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues; hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio. Films, television, and other public media of communication. And 12, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personality. Thank you.
0: Thank you, KB. How our meeting works. Today, we resume our study of the Big Book on page 157 with the fourth paragraph, For an Hour, the Two Friends, through three paragraphs, ending with damn little to laugh about. Comments will be done on all. I will now ask Lisa B. to begin reading.
3: Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences. Over and over he would say, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. The man in the bed was told of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. Yes, that's me, said the sick man, the very image. You fellows know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm nobody now. From what you tell me, I know more than ever I can't stop. At this, both the visitors burst into a laugh, said the future fellow anonymous. Damn little to laugh about that I can see. Well, here he's showing us, Bill, in this um, reading of how how to approach someone and what they did with that in that hour or two is they laid down the groundwork of the hopeless, the hopeless feature of this malady and um, they stayed on that for a long time, you know, till the guy could really see for himself. And what I was hearing in, in this reading with Bill and Bob is like what we hear in the doctor's opinion, which is what began the process of freedom for Bill. And that is, um, In this statement, he confirms what we who have suffered alcoholic torture must believe, that the body of the alcoholic is quite as abnormal as his mind. And then also in Bill's story, when he reflects back to that meeting, he says, best of all, I met a kind doctor who explained that though certainly selfish and foolish, I had been seriously ill bodily and mentally. And I remember the relief that I felt, you know, of finding out because i always wondered what is wrong with me what is wrong with me so this man is being exposed to two people that drink like he drank or you know you know what i'm saying <laughs> that he drinks like they drank and also he's identifying in with the feelings you know and that was so vital for me in going through bill's story with my big book sponsor of asking myself you know how am i seeing do i eat like bill Drank? You know, did I feel like Bill felt? And could I see the identification? And every day on the line, I really need to seek how I identify, not how I'm different. And that's what was happening for this man. That's why the light was beginning to come in and he was seeing, wow. And then also, they were talking about the mental twist. And in more about alcoholism, you know, they talk about that. What happens to us when? When, before we take that drink, say we've had a little bit of time of sobriety, you know, why do we start to drink again? And he's hearing the mental twist and they're starting to explain and they've laid down the groundwork of it. He's a goner with this, which is my primary role is to create a sense of um, edginess. You know, when I'm doing a step one talk with someone, I need to make them or help them feel uncomfortable. I need to see um, my role is to help them see that this is a hopeless, deadly thing, that it's not going anywhere. And sometimes they see that and sometimes they don't. But the most important thing is that I see it, that I know it, and I'm able to share that in my experience. Um, and then, you know, the other thing that I like is that they start to laugh when he, they are saying, you know, well, you're somebody, I'm not anybody. And they're laughing. And the reason they're laughing is because... Um, You know into action it tells us we feel as though we had been placed in a position of neutrality safe and protected I can laugh today I am free I live in the solution there is a solution as long as I do these steps learn what my alcoholic foods are get entirely abstinent do this work to the best of my ability and I will experience that state of neutrality and spiritual fitness, where I, too, can laugh, but not in arrogance and cockiness, but just a state of neutrality and freedom. So he's about to find out what the solution is. I pass.
0: Thank you, Lisa Thank B. Thank you, Lisa B. There's, um, There's um, a really bad really echo, so bad if, echo, you're, so if you're, everybody, could everybody could please get off speakerphone. or So who would like to share on the three paragraphs mm-hmm. that were read? Nessa Larry. R from Boston. Chris, Chrissy G. H-G. Say hold hold on, Larry K. Chrissy G. Uh, I got you're okay. Hold on, Larry K. G. And then like hold on, please. Ne- Larry K. Nessa, Nessa R. Vasa O. Hold on, on Katie, Katie G. There was somebody after Katie G. Before Harlan. Vasa O. Chrissy nope. G. No. Chrissy G. Thank you oh, okay, we're gonna start with this group, okay, Larry K followed by Nessa R
4: Good morning, Julie. <laughs> can you hear me all right? I can okay, thanks, thanks for your service Larry k uh recovered compulsive reader from Chicago Ah, uh, the um you know I'm gonna zero in on the laughter. you know it's amazing. there wasn't a whole lot of laughter from me um until I became recovered as a result of these steps. Um, But, you know, if you go to my, if you go to my meetings today, I, I go to an AA meeting on Saturday morning. There's a lot of laughter. There's a, there's an amazing amount of laughter there because, you know, it's, it's something when you're saved, when you're a drowning person and you're saved, you're pulled, or you're pulled from the quicksand boy there, there's a lot to laugh about. Because you see the absurdity, the incongruence from where you came from to what you've now become by the grace of God. And so there can be laughter. When we get to the traditions, you know, the traditions are read about, the, you know, the professionalism and say, so, well, we got that one nailed. Yeah, we don't have a lot of professionalism here, right? We can laugh at these things. It's, it's, it's really pretty extraordinary. Now, you, you can always tell someone coming into that meeting that's new Uh, They're like I was, with tears, uh, a lot of pain. Yes, we get here that way. See, I didn't come to to Overeaters Anonymous to save my soul. I came to Overeaters Anonymous to save my ass. It was only later, through these steps, that I realized that they were both connected. That my soul had to be saved, if you will. In order to save my ass, I didn't. I didn't put those two. To, to, I didn't connect those two. Right. I think that's why I, I can laugh today. I can laugh because in those people who have been saved, you know, you're pulled from the quicksand. I can laugh today because my life was so absurdly out of whack, and it was so painful. And today, by the grace of a merciful, not a, a god of justice in my case, but a god of mercy, pulled me from the quicksand. I just worked some simple steps. God did the heavy lifting here. And, yes, I can laugh today about it, the absurdity of what it was used to be like. And now today, the miraculous nature of, of being pulled from this disease. It's the last I'll say, Julie, wrapping up is, you know, when you hear the language, this is the language of the heart, the language of spirituality. It's not the language of therapy. I'm a big fan of therapy. I like the language of therapy. But this program is not about therapy this program is about spirituality and saving my ass through saving my soul. With that, I'll pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Larry K. Nessa R, followed by Katie G. Nessa R, star Hi. one.
5: Hi, this is Nessa R. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, great. Hi. Good morning, Vision for You. This is Nessa R. I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Toronto, Canada. Um, so before coming to program, I went to a lot of experts, experts in medicine, experts in therapy, experts in exercise and nutrition, um, but they weren't able to reach me um, because I just didn't identify, you know? For every good argument they gave me about the need for for losing weight, um, I can come up with yeah, with a yeah, but you know, you don't understand, you know, and I could pull the wool over their eyes, you know. I'm too busy. I have a very stressful life, you know. Uh, yada 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 yada, and 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 that was that, you know. Um, and I I stayed fat and I stayed miserable. Um, the reason why Bill. And Dr. Bob were able to reach those D is because they are experts in
6: the disease.
5: They are experts in the recovery from the disease. And this is why identification is so important. I can identify with all those experts. I mean, they were thin, they never struggled with weight. And here they're telling me, do this, do that, or the other. You know, they don't know what it is like to live in my skin. But another addict, knows what it is like to live in my skin. Um, and so to them, I can relate. Not only that I can relate, but there's no buts. I mean, I cannot fool them. I cannot.
0: We lost you, Nessa R. Oh, Nessa. hi,
2: sorry. Can you hear me now? Yes. Oh, that
5: little voice came up again. Um. So, um, um, and I lost my train of thought. Um, but, uh, you know, that's why it's very important to to identify. I mean, here we read about Bill and Dr. Bob telling them about their drinking careers, even before telling them about the allergy of the body and the obsession of the mind, because, you know, we need to know that the people that are talking to us uh, know what, what it feels like to be us. And this is the reason why I, I too like the, the, the laughter. And I think the laughter came... Because you know, Bill and Doctor Bob thought if it hadn't been for these beautiful steps, um, if it hadn't been for this beautiful program, we would be exactly where you are. You know, like in our eighth time um, in a rehab, trying to uh, trying to get uh, trying to get sober. But by the grace of God and the steps, we are not there anymore. And the reason why we are, as as he said, somebody's now, is because. Uh, of God's help, that we were able to access for the working of the twelve steps, uh, but they cannot really introduce that until the person realizes, yes, these people know what they're talking about, and that was certainly the case for me. That was certainly the case for me. All these other experts, nothing doing, but another addict talking to another addict, especially a recovered addict talking to another addict, um, that is, that is, that is the way to go. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Nessa R. Katie G followed by Chrissy G
7: good morning Julie good morning everyone this is Katie G recovered compulsive overeater anorexic and bulimic starting my timer in Boston yeah you guys are somebody I was once but I'm a nobody now I know more than ever I can't stop like wahoo be a nobody you know the the most freedom that I ever got was when I was in so much self-adred hatred and self, self, I'm a nobody now because the disease has kicked my butt from here to kingdom come and all I know, all I know is that I can't stop. You know, my first sponsor in Overears Anonymous, 14 years ago, had me read every day from the AA 12 and 12. Who cares to admit complete defeat? Practically no one, of course. Because here I am coming into Overears Anonymous, And, you know, like you'd think I was just trying to round my life out with a little bit of OA. Like I wasn't surrendered. I wasn't, I was, you know, bargaining and justifying the things that I needed to eat and that I, you know, um, needed to choose. And, you know, I'll pick what I want and leave the rest. And, you know, for me, the laughter comes like, thanks be to God. Like I, you know, what I know now is more than ever, I know I cannot stop. Right? Because I don't stop. I don't stop on my own willpower. I eat on my own willpower. I have mental states preceding the first bite on my own willpower that I cannot change on my own willpower. And thank God today, you know, I can practice entire abstinence and know that on my own willpower, I cannot stop anything. I can't stop the eating. I can't stop the character defects. I can't stop. I cannot stop. Because when it's the KDG show, And I'm trying to stop my character defects. You know, I can quit for a while. I can buy a lot of books, how to get the husband you want, how to be a better wife, how to be a better mom. Like, I can get into that. I can interview all of you. What do I do? How do I change? And thank God you guys all remind me, wait a second, you can't but a power greater than you can. And I pray every day, you know, I don't want to be oozing self-pity. I don't want to be saying I'm a nobody now. But please, God, from what you tell me on this line, I know more than ever I cannot stop. I cannot stop eating. I cannot stop anything. Like, I, myself, of myself, I am nothing, right? Like, I can do this program with the help of God and all of you, and I can continue to learn how God can change me, how I can be changed into a woman of honor, dignity, and grace. But I know more than ever I cannot stop. And I pray, God, every day that I can admit complete defeat because that is, is the breaking open of change every day and i uh i'm going to keep showing up one more day without a pass
0: thank you katie g chrissy g followed by harlan g
8: good morning it's chrissy g recovered to compulsive overeater and anorexic from new jersey and it's exactly that kind of acknowledgement and emptying out of self when when he's feeling like he's nothing and he's thinking that they're laughing at him and he's feeling humiliated and he's knowing that he's hopeless, it's just at that moment that it's like uh, they're playing a poker hand and they know they hit the mother load. They start laughing because they're so relieved that he is at the point of being at the end of himself, because that's where we need to be to really let the grace of God come in. It's an emptying out and then a filling up of God. It's not just an emptying out. The emptying out, the acknowledgement of powerlessness, of hopelessness is the most precious place to be for an addict, especially when they have someone there to lead them out, to help them, to see the light, to know that there's a higher power that's going to swoop in and save them and i love the idea of saving my soul to save my my butt i love that i love that that's so amazing and it's so true and it's just such an easy way to face the reality of this disease in my life that's my life now my life is emptying out continually daily when i try when i try to hold on to my my old ideas or new crazy ideas, or my plans, or my schemes and designs of how to fix my life, I'm in trouble. It's when I'm at on my knees and emptying out that I'm in the best place. And, you know, working this program, I could be reminded to stay empty. I could empty out by doing my daily review, by doing 10-step turnarounds, by working with other people and seeing the disease in action and recognizing myself in their disease and in what ways I'm act, I'm acting agnostically throughout my day in my life um, where I'm holding on to how I want things to be and not letting God swoop in and save me. And with that, I pass. Thank you.
0: Thank you, Chrissy G. Harlan G. followed by Vasa O.
9: Thank you, Julie, and thank you for your service, and thank you to Team Wednesday for making this meeting possible. Glad to be here. I'm Harlan G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. This is a very educational couple of paragraphs here, as the entire chapter is just jumping out at me, especially when I think of the fact that this is giving me such lessons, as Larry alluded to, in how to work with others Um, They told him of the acute poisoning from which he suffered, how it deteriorates the body of an alcoholic and warps his mind. There was much talk about the mental state preceding the first drink. In other words, what they were telling him was about the mental twist, and they were telling him about the physical allergy. They were telling him about his search for the effect. Now, this is the funny part. He says, yeah, that's me. He's identifying here. Dr. Silfort tells us that in order for the message to be carried, it must have depth and weight. We are the only people in the world that know what this disease really is from the inside, and we are the only ones, if we're recovered, that have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Psychiatrists, doctors, whatever, scientists, they don't have this disease so they cannot talk from their own experience, but we can. Now, here's a funny part. It says here, you fellas know your stuff all right, because he can, Dotson, Bill Dotson, the man in the bed, one of the most important historical moments in time is the sobriety of Bill Dotson. He says to Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, you fellas know your stuff all right, but I don't see what good it'll do. Here's the funny part. You fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm a nobody now. Now, let's take a look at this time frame. It's June of 1935. Bill Wilson is in Akron, Ohio, on a failed business proxy takeover of a, mach- of a tool and dye company in Akron, Ohio. One of the reasons he's still in Akron is he doesn't have the money to go back to New York. The only reason that Bill Wilson has a roof over his head back in New York is because 182 Clinton Street is where he lived, and we were there recently. Some of us, Julie and I were there, and some of us were there visiting. But President Roosevelt made it so that the banks didn't throw people out because the Wilsons couldn't make their mortgage payments. The only reason that Dr. Bob has a roof over his head is exactly the same reason. These two guys are dead broke. They are coming into the shore from the waves and the ocean of alcoholism at its worst. They haven't got a dime between the two of them. And they are surviving minute to minute financially. And he says to them, you fellas are somebody. Which is why they're bursting into laughter because they know that their financial situation is dire. But Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob didn't make a deal with God and say, bring me money, bring me this, bring me that, and then I'll go work with other people. As it says on page 98, nonsense. In other words, nourish kite. You go out and do my work, God's saying to us. God is telling us, you go out and do my work and I'll provide what you need. And that's exactly what they're doing. They're acting on faith, and Bill Wilson and Dr. Bob, if they were here now, would be the first two to tell us that as much as they, Bill Dobson, was a founder of AA because his
0: sobriety was so important, and with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Harlan Vasa-O.
10: Thank right. you. Morning, everyone. Thank you, Julie, for your service and i a Vasa grateful, grateful, recovered, compulsive over And um, my experience was coming to the program. I had a friend that uh, had been in AA and OA for a couple of years, but she didn't tell me that she was in AA. She just shared her experience with the food addiction. So she came one day through my kitchen door, and she looked wonderful, and uh, happy and joyful. And I said, what have you been doing? And she told me that she'd been going to Overeaters Anonymous. And she 12-stepped me gradually for about a one week, you know, what the program was about, what the steps were before I, before I went to my first meeting. And I could relate with everything she said to me. Yeah, that's me. That's me, that's me, I eat like that. And I remember reading the pamphlet that was Introducing Overeaters Anonymous to the Newcomers, You Are Not Alone, and there was a questionnaire, Welcome, welcome to Newcomers, and there were like 15 questions there, and I scored 100 on them. And I remember saying, you know, I wasn't very good in school. School, it was really difficult, you know, especially coming in America with my second language. But even in the old country, my concentration was not that good. But I remember scoring every one of them. I could answer them, yes, that's me, yes, that's me. And that was it, you know. And, um, and you know, and she brought me to the first meeting, and I could identify, and I said, this is me. And uh, if I don't do this, I'm just going to die miserable into this food addiction. And I, you know, again, I was ready and willing to surrender. I had the husband. I had the house. I had the kids. I had the dog and a cat. There was nothing more that I wanted than what I had. I just wanted to put the food down. And I'm just so grateful that God led me into Overeaters Anonymous and to the 12 Steps. And then, you know, and. It's, you know, I was found and I was saved by the grace of God. I don't know where I'll be today. And I laughed today. And my sponsor would laugh at times because she had something to laugh about. She was joyous, joyful. She was peaceful. And that's what I have today. I am so grateful. I am so happy. I have been crossed from gradual death to life. So I give, give credit to my higher power, to I call God, the 12 steps, and, and and the support groups that I've belonged over the years. And, you know, I don't need like I used to. It's by the grace of God. And I've been, you know, transformed from to, from working the 12 steps. And I'm not right. done. There's still more work to be done. And I have to pass it on. Thank you for letting me share. And I
0: pass. Great. Thank you, Vasa Oh, and um, just let everybody know where we're at. We're on page 157, starting with the fourth paragraph. For an hour, the two friends were reading through three paragraphs that end with damn little to laugh about. And comments are on all. Who would like to share? Edini, Leah Leia M. M, Elliot R, Leah M, somebody R, Elliot R, Elliot,
11: Melissa C,
0: Morris Z. And Morsi, let's take that group first. So we have Irini and Leah M. Go ahead.
12: Thank you. Thank you.
0: Can you hear me? I can.
12: Okay, thank you. Thank you, Julie. Thank you so much for your service. And good morning, my spiritual fellows and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I'm a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater, Thank you, God. Always giving credit where credit is due. Identification. Wow. You mean you speak the same language as I do, and I'm not talking about my Greek language. You mean to tell me you feel the same things that I'm feeling? You mean to tell me you share the same thoughts that I have? You mean to tell me you do as the same thing as I do? We do, do we really have the same story? Wow. Identification, I'm so grateful. And no more, compa- no more comparing because identifying is connection. Comparing is disconnected. I need to be connected to my fellows and I need to be connected to God. So I'm also um, realizing that um, because you're powerless, I am powerless, but thank you, God, you have a solution and I have a solution. And this identification is such a huge tool. It's a tool because we can, after we identify we get recovered, we can still use that tool when we talk to other people. Um, when in difficult times with difficult people, we can see on their foreheads, S-I-C-K, and we can identify with them that they are just as sick as I am, but what's the difference? Thank you, God, I have a program, and that saves me. And this is how we can um, um, confront our, um, our challenges by that identification that they are sick too. And then laughter, oh, my gosh, I used to beat the crap out of myself. 24-7, emotionally beating up constantly, and then starting to practice to laugh at myself. What does that mean? It had to mean ego reduction. It had to mean that I'm not perfect, that I'm not God, that I'm just human, that I'm going to make mistakes, that I'm accepting that every day I get up, I'm going to make mistakes, um, and as opposed to being in false pride and constantly that negative energy beating myself up, and I was able I was able to go on a stage in front of eight hundred people and play a part of being the abstinent fairy and even making a couple of mistakes and and having and laughing with you as opposed to laughing at myself and Thank you God, what a miracle that is. And and where does this laughter come? Hi. Joy in my heart, and that's what God gives to me. It's a gift that I accept. Thank you, and I pass.
0: Thank you, Irene M. Leah Leia M. Followed by Elliot R.
13: Thanks very much, Julie. Um, For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences over and over. He would say, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. You know, this told uh, that's written here, you know, in the text, it says, we have recovered and have been given the power to help others. It also says you can't transmit something you haven't got. Um, you know, we have an obligation and a responsibility to carry this message, and this is a technique um, that works. You know, it, it's it's written out here as a piece of our history. It's something that Dr. Silkworth uh, kind of, uh, you know, relayed, to Bill because he had been spending months uh, pulling men off bar stools by their shirt collars and talking to them about, uh, you know, the Oxford Group precepts of being absolutely honest and pure and totally unselfish and loving. And that was a big order to these drunks. And, you know, it was Dr. Silkworth that, basically said, Bill, you've got the cart before the horse. You have to deflate these people first. You've got to give them the medical business and give it to them hard. You know, tell them about the – the allergy of the body that condemns them to continue to drink, tell them about the obsession of the mind that condemns them to go mad or die if they keep on drinking. And from one alcoholic to another, that will maybe crack those tough egos deep down. And that's the technique you know, that we use today. It's Turning the screws. I also like to to think of it. An analogy as kind of putting the worm on the hook and casting out the line, the fishing line, and slowly, slowly, through um through sharing my story and through being, uh, you know, somewhat of a, a of a friend in those moments. And slowly, the uh, you know, you, you reel them in. You reel them in through um. It's not about personal power, certainly not about personal power. It's about influence. It's being an agent. You know, it's it's helping. Um, we are experts in our field. We have this job to do. It's an obligation and a responsibility, and certainly I relate to it because I didn't understand the exact nature of my problem. Therefore, I did not realize the seriousness of my condition and the urgency and necessity for this solution, uh, which they haven't relayed yet, the solution of a spiritual experience, a spiritual awakening, um, someone in whom the problem had been solved gave me that education with the help of this text and the help of this history being brought to life as to how this works, slowly turning the screws so that like Bill D, they say, oh crap, I'm screwed. And with that, I pass. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Leah M. Elliot R. followed by Melissa C. Hi,
14: this is Elliot R. Can I be heard? Yes. Excellent. Um, thank you so much. This is Elliot R, recovered compulsive overreader in New York City. Um, just so grateful to be amongst this community of people um, taking simple and specific action one day at a time. Um, yeah, very inspiring. Couple of paragraphs this morning uh, filled with just a ton of stuff. Um, you know. I think uh, for me what comes up is um, the first thing that pops up is sponsorship for me. Um, cause, and I think that's just cause that's where I am right now. Um, you know, I've been in OA for about five years and I've been in vision for about three months and I am, um, you know, recently recovered and newly working with others. Um, and, to you know, um it just makes me see how, because because of what I'm reading, because of the specificity of the directions of how to go about working with others, um, I see how much I used to be a therapist or a fake therapist. How much, um, you know, that, I mean, while sharing my experience is very helpful, of course, because again, like I, I think identification with another compulsive overreader is the only way that I'll be willing to let this in. Um, you know, the focus is really the steps. Like it's not, it's not the Elliott program that I'm giving to a, a a sponsee. It's the program of action outlined in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. So that's the first thing that popped up to me. Um, the other thing um, was just just being reminded about how stone cold um I was when I came in that I was different than I would probably say everybody on earth. you know I um, and I got a lot of pride out of that by being the victim and by being ostra i mean I, I, the the term ostracized from my community is I think very descriptive of old Elliot and um, you know, that was how I survived growing up. And so when I came into the rooms, um, I really did all that I could. And I would say even until pretty recently, um, last couple of years, um, I did all that I could to maintain that position of piece of shit at the center of the universe. That, um, you know, even if I feigned humility, I, um, it wasn't true, and it was from a place of looking down on somebody else in, in some all capacity, right. looking up. Um, anyways, I'm just grateful to be a humble servant of God today um, with all of you guys. Thanks so much.
0: Thank you, Elliot R. Melissa C. followed by Maura Z.
4: Hi. Uh,
11: good morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. This is Melissa C. Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, um, you know, I, I whether he knew it or not that these two men that were coming to see him were in their financial, you know, ruins, um, he he was responding to them being somebody. They, they were somebodies. And um, I could, you know, I could really relate because when I first started calling in to vision, falling into this line, um, I heard you people were somebody, you know, like you were somebody because um, I didn't know what your jobs were. I didn't know what kind of cars you drove, what your house looked like. Um, and it really, frankly, really didn't matter to me. And it still doesn't matter to me. What what mattered to me, what I was responding to and continue to respond to is that um, you were living, you were living happily You were not eating compulsively anymore. You were clearly explaining that you had what I had. You have what I have. Um, But you weren't suffering. You weren't living in pain and agony. And, uh, you know, and and you were somebody. You are somebody because you were being useful. You were carrying this message to me in a way that I had never heard before. And I've been coming to away
4: you know in and out of the
11: rooms for many years, um, getting getting group support, getting love perhaps um, but not getting really the message that I needed and so um you know how why are they laughing? you know like are they laughing because yeah ha 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 they're what kind of somebodies are they they're both in financial ruins. Are they laughing because they know um, he's exactly, the husband is exactly at the perfect point to um, have a spiritual experience to begin to work the steps. And, you know, until I felt flattened by this um, disease and, and hopeless and, and out of every answer um, there was nothing anybody could do for me. But once I was like that, you know, I was, I was primed and ready. And I've had a couple of experiences where I've been like that, and I was sharing that with somebody yesterday on the, on the line. She said, how did you surrender? And I was done. And I saw someone in whom the problem had been solved, and the words that came out of my mouth were, help me. Um, and that's exactly where we start. We start from that position.
0: Thank you. With that, i pass. Thank you, Melissa C. And Maura Z., you're next. Good
15: morning, Julie. Thank you for your service. Start my timer. Um, good morning. Maura Z recovered in Virginia. <coughs> Excuse me, you fellows are somebody. I was once, but I'm nobody now. And what this reminds me of is when I came in and all the people that had it, had figured it out, were, you know, abstinent back when I first came into OA, were abstinent, were working the tools, you know, they had lost, you know, a whole lot of weight, Um, they seemed happy, joyous, and free, and I put them on pedestals, even though I was told not to. I did it anyway, because my self-loathing and my self-esteem just, there was no self-esteem. The self-loathing is what ruled. And I thought so very little of myself. Um, and I also thought, you know what? I'm never going to be able to get what they have. And I never was able to get what they had. And it never works for me. I thought it worked for years and years. I said it was working. I had a great life. And I did. I had a, an improved life over what my miserable existence was when I was in the food. <clears throat> but I still never got it. And it wasn't until I met someone in whom the problem had been solved that told me exactly what my problem was, told me of the allergy and the obsession. And when I finally understood what that meant as it relates to me in my life, then I realized, oh, they really aren't any better than me they've gone through exactly what i'm going through they're still going through it we're all going through it in different times different phases of our lives there are no pedestals to put anybody on it doesn't matter if you've got 25 years it doesn't matter if you've got 2 hours the goal here is for me to have a spiritual connection with my higher power and that being is the, is is what i rely on to move forward in my life. That is the being that has transformed me, has made a woman out of a lump of clay. That is what's happened here. The food is in its place. It's just nourishment for my body. I am no longer obsessed with it so long as I keep in spiritual
0: fitness. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Mar-Z. Um, We have time to take at least one person. M? G? um Somebody, uh, with, somebody the, with the... the, the somebody's unmuted uh, with the echo, but, the echo, but, but the last initial was, echo was M. Mo
16: M? M?
0: Mo M, go ahead. Good
16: morning. Thank you, Julie, for your service, and good morning to everyone on the line. For an hour, the two friends told him about their drinking experiences, If that is not the heart of 12-stepping, I don't know what is. They told him about their drinking experiences. They didn't tell him about anybody else's drinking experiences. They told him about their own. And that is something that I get to practice when I'm telling my story to another compulsive overeater, to someone else who has either come into OA or someone who has expressed an interest. I tell my own story. Recently, I had the opportunity to do some 12-stepping with someone at work who asked me to meet with her and talk to her about Overeaters anonymous and i did not come to the table telling her about the 12 steps and the history of oa or anything like that i came to the table with my own story i brought my photos and i said i couldn't stop overeating this is how much i weighed i just couldn't stop no matter what i did I tried every method, therapy and self-help and controlled eating, etc., and I just told her my story. And what a priceless gift that is. It is a gem because I'm the only one who can tell my story because I'm the only one who has lived it. And every single person who suffers from this condition has a priceless gem. Every single individual who has recovered has an opportunity to share that dark history with someone else so that it can open up the door for someone else to come in and identify. And what happens with Bill D. in the bed? He said, that's me, that's me, I drink like that. So in telling just their own drinking histories, they opened a door for Bill D. to first identify in and then become willing to do what they did to get sober, and Bill D. was sober for the rest of his life. Thank you, I'll pass.
0: Thank you, Joe. very much. Um, we do have time for one more.
16: Julie, Susan is this
0: All right, Susan. Go ahead, Susan. You'll be our last share, I believe.
6: Hi. Thank you so much. I've been trying to get on today, and I couldn't get on. Um, I, too, had the experience of being with 800, uh, 700 people plus, and I wanted what they had. They told my story. I identified with it. People I never met, people from foreign countries. You know, I was able to take away um, a new hope, in recovery, I was able to take away um, exactly what I needed. And I've been around for many decades, but I didn't, I couldn't trust the God of my understanding because I didn't really have one. And now I do. And now I'm on vacation and I've been to two or three meetings. I'm going to another one tonight uh, with people I have no, nothing, didn't know them at all and I'm able to pass on the message of recovery because I am recovered today from the obsession of overeating, and the mental twist is gone, and because I don't have allergic foods in my body, um, I don't have that physical allergy, and I can eat the foods I need to eat. I can do the recovery work with my sponsors, plural, And I can be happy, joyous, and free. But it's only because I can pass the message on. And I'm so grateful that, you know, I did go to that convention uh, several weeks ago, and I heard what I had here, because it has made me a better person, knowing I can be recovered as well as those people. Thank you. I
0: pass. Thank you, uh, Susan. Um, I'm going to take the last couple of minutes. I hope that's okay. My name is Julie R., Recovered Compulsive Overeater. And, you know, this tells me that I have to listen because it talks about the two friends told them about their drinking experience. You know, it's that whole thing about identification. And, you know, when I am talking to a, a new person, you know, they're hurting, they're desperate They don't want to hear somebody coming from a a moral high ground. They don't want to be told, do this, do that. Because I know for me, I was told that all my life. If you just had more self-willpower, if you just would do this, if you try this diet, it's going to work. But just that identification that people ate, thought, and behaved like I did around food and the food behaviors. Because that is so key. Because I never thought anybody else was like me. And that time frame will just go in a, in a second because somebody is talking my language. And that's what happened to me when when somebody um, was not just abstinent, but they were abstinent and recovered. They had emotional sobriety. And they told me about how they, they were transformed. And it wasn't something that I had to go buy or I had to go um, practice or I had to go you know, with a group of people, it was just something that was about how I can live and be a free woman. And it's that, that oneship, that kinship that we have with one compulsive overeater to another that we get to experience this. Because, you know, telling somebody what to do isn't going to work. And, you know, watching somebody's head shake as you're talking, yeah, I did this, I did that, I did this. That spark of hope that will start, that must have been electric in that room with Dr. Bob and Bill sharing their experience, strength, and hope. So, you know, for any newcomers out there, you know, listen, you, you know, you might say, oh, I don't know what that person's done or whatever. We, we are here because we, we have the same disease. We have the obsession of the mind and the allergy of the body, but it has been removed if you just go through the, the work and live it more and more every day. So I'm just excited that somebody took the time to sit there and do that for me. And um, with that, I will pass. And it is time to close our meeting. I would like to give the SHARE ID for today, Wednesday, October 11th, the 7 a.m. Eastern Standard Time meeting. It's 10,535. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. And will Janice M. please read A Vision for You?
17: Certainly. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come